good morning, church. As Jess said, my name is Dylan Thomas, and I am the young adult intern here at First Baptist Watauga. And I have the wonderful privilege to be able to preach this morning while Pastor Dennis is out with John Wilson at uh, the photography conference. And when he first asked me to preach this Sunday, I, w- I was a little concerned because of how busy the month of April is for my job. Um, I'm an admissions counselor at Washita Baptist University. And even though our busiest time is in the fall during travel season, the month of April is really busy because we have early registration. This is where students come to campus the last couple of weeks in April and meet with their academic advisor and get their fall class schedule. So yesterday we had about 270 students on campus registering for classes. It's a really, really wonderful day because students are making their Washita journey, not just a fantasy, not just something that's out in the future, but a reality. They leave that day with a piece of paper that says, these are the classes that I'm, I'm in. And one day in a couple short months, I'm going to be a student here. It becomes a reality. They're becoming a part of the Washington family. But it's a really exciting day for the admissions counselors because we've been working with these students for a year or two, sometimes even three. We've had many conversations with them, conversations about differences between Washington and another school, financial aid, programs that Washington has, and many other things. But we also have been praying for them. There's many hours that we have where we spend in prayer for these students. When a student applies, I write them a, a note and I say that I'm praying for them at the end of that, that note. Now, when I pray for them, I'm praying that, that God will lead them in the direction of what school is going to be best for them. Even though I would love every single student to be a student at Washington because I love what Washita's mission is, I recognize that, that there are other great schools out there. And so I pray that, that God will lead them to the right church or to the right school. But once they make that decision, once they say, I'm going to Washita, well, then the prayer changes and it shifts a little bit. I start to pray that God will use their time at Washita to help them grow stronger and deeper in their faith so that they get to know him more. I pray that they learn some really wonderful things about whatever they're interested in studying and making connections that's gonna go on to help them as they transition into adulthood and go beyond college. I pray that they will have some really wonderful experiences and that they will cherish their time at Washita and not take it for granted. This is actually a, a very similar prayer to the prayer that we see Paul pray in our verses for today in our passage in Colossians 1, 9 through 14. Last week, we learned about the thanksgiving part of the prayer that Paul had for the Colossian believers, right? Dennis talked about how they had the faith in Christ. Paul gave thanks for that. He gave thanks that they had love for the saints as well as how they had hope in Christ and that their hope was secure 
and that also the gospel was growing and spreading throughout the entire world. Today, we're gonna be in this passage in Paul's prayer transitions from a prayer of thanksgiving to a prayer of intercession or petition. He's now praying for the Colossian believers. So let's, let's read this passage this morning and dive in. Paul says, for this reason also, which for this reason is, is everything that came before, verses three through eight. For this reason also, since the day we heard this, we haven't stopped praying for you. We are asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding so that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, joyfully giving thanks to the Father, who has enabled you to share in the saints' inheritance in the light. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son He loves. In Him, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This is the word of the Lord. We see here, as I mentioned, that this is the transition between the prayer of thanksgiving into the prayer of petition. Again, for this reason, it is based upon all of what Paul gave thanks for in the previous verses, what we learned last week. But then Paul goes on to pray for the Colossian believers because he knows what they're going through. He's heard about what's going on. And, and there's, um, there's some syncretism going on between where some ideologies are trying to, to fit into the Christian beliefs. And, and Paul later on, um, and we're gonna learn about it in, in a few weeks, is gonna discuss that. But today Paul's praying specifically for the believers that they will live a life worthy of the Lord. Before he jumps into that main part of it though, he, he asked and he starts out by saying, we are asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Now, when we hear the word or when we hear the phrase God's will, we often think about his individual will for our lives, right? I just talked about how I pray for God to lead the students to what school is best for them. But we also pray and, and seek God's will where he's leading us in as far as a job, where he wants us to serve, what church we're to be at, as well as where we're supposed to live. But this is not the will that he's talking about here. The will that he's praying that they are filled with is God's overarching plan of redemption for human history. We can sum it up in four words, creation, fall, redemption, and restoration, right? This is, this is that Christ came to earth because sin or because humanity is sinful and separated from God. Christ came to the earth, died, rose again, so that we now are free from sin and can be with him. And that one day we're going to be with him and be fully restored to him. Now, part of this is understanding when, when we come to grips with the redemptive plan of, of God's history and, and of God's desire, 
we learn and we see that understanding God's redemptive plan changes how we live. When we rightly see the way that he has orchestrated the world, when we rightly understand what God is doing for us and has done for us, it changes how we live. It relates to our, our conduct. And this is something that God does in us through his work in us. We see here that, that he says in spiritual, in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. This kind of points back to the Old Testament in, in Exodus and in First Kings. There's a couple workers of the Lord who um, this is written about where they um, have the, the wisdom and spiritual understanding. And then they are commissioned to go out and build the temple and to work for God. When we understand his redemptive plan, it changes how we live. And then Paul flows into the, what, what he desires for the Colossian believers and for the life that they are to live. He says in verse 10, so that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. If prayers had a, a thesis statement, a main idea, a big picture, this would be it, that they walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. And Paul spends the rest of the time in this prayer focuses, focusing on that. And he prays for various different aspects for the Colossian believers to know how to live life worthy of the Lord. And so that's where we're gonna be focusing on today, how to live a life worthy of the Lord. Verse 11, or excuse me, the end of verse 10 says, bearing fruit in every good work. When we hear this phrase, we may think back to last week's passage where it talks about how the, the gospel was bearing fruit and was spreading throughout the entire world. But that's not what Paul's talking about here. Here, he is talking about individual lives, that, that the individual Christians and the individual Colossian believers will bear fruit in every good work. It's more akin to what Jesus says in Matthew seven seventeen, where every good tree uh, bears good fruit and every bad tree bears bad fruit. And now there's been a lot of discussion on the intercession between faith and good works. And, and that's not where we're focusing on here today, but good works is putting God and putting others first, is sacrificing yourself, sacrificing your time, your finances, and living the way that God wants us to live. When I think of this word and this phrase bearing fruit, I think of, of this picture, if it can be put on the screen, thank you. So this is from Jess and I's first date. And you may think, why are y'all holding an orange? That's a little weird. Why do you have an orange on a first date? Well, we were going to, or we were coming out of the Garvin Gardens in Hot Springs and on the curb, there was this woman and her daughter crying. And she asked us how far it is to the nearest town. And not being from the area, I, I look it up and I say, it's about 13 minutes. So she turns to her daughter and says, are you ready to start walking? Now I get 13 minutes, but it's seven miles. They're about to spend the next two and a half hours walking 
And if you know anything about Arkansas, the highways and the roads there are curvy. There's no sidewalks. And the speed limit is at least 55 miles an hour. I just get this picture of how unsafe they're going to be doing that walking. And so instead of letting them walk, Jess and I take them into town. We come to find out that, that her friend that they came with ended up abandoning them. There was some sort of argument and they just left, stranded in the middle of nowhere. Thankfully, she was able to get in touch with someone and her <clears throat> friend was coming down from a couple hours away and was going to pick them up. And so we dropped her off at a, at a Walmart. And as we were going to that Walmart, I remember her, her talking about how one day we're going to look back and we're going to tell our grandkids about how we saved or how we uh, helped a crazy lady and her kid. Now, again, I said it's our first date. The date hasn't even ended. It feels like it's going well. But Jess and I look at each other and we're like, we like each other, but that's, that's a little too quickly for us. Now Jess and I can look back and we can look forward to the day that we can tell our grandkids about how we helped a crazy lady and her daughter. But back then, it was a little scary. But when we dropped her off, she wanted to give us something. So she reached into her purse. She couldn't get, she didn't have any cash. All she had was an orange. But she wanted to give us something. And so we, we accepted it. We made sure that she connected with her friend later on that night. But when Jess got into the car, when we got in the car, Jess held up the orange and said, hey, look, we bear fruit. Now, I love corny jokes. I love puns. And so that really spoke to me. And I was like, yes. But that reminded us that together, but also individually, what it means to bear fruit in every good work. We didn't have to, to help the, this, this woman and her daughter. They, they could have walked. We were on our date. We were focused on each other. But instead, we sacrificed our time, went a little bit out of the way to help them. And so that's what bearing fruit is in every good works. It's putting others first. It's living the way that God wants us to live. A life worthy of the Lord bears fruit. But Paul continues on by praying that a worthy life also grows in the knowledge of God. And so we see that a worthy life continually learns about God. This is one of the things that we actually learned about in our growth group hour, how we should focus upon spending time with and, and growing in, in our knowledge of the Lord. God is so vast, powerful, creative, imaginative that we can never fully come to a point where we know everything about God. And that may seem a little daunting because if you're like me, I wanna know everything. But it's not daunting, it's a blessing. 
we are able to learn new things every single day about God. When I think of this, I think about what it means to have childlike faith. And this is one of the aspects that I, that I think goes into that, right? When a, when a child learns something new, there's this sense of awe and wonder. This, this idea of, of learning how the planets work and how the universe is continually expanding or seeing different animals interact. And, w- and when they come into contact with this, when they, le- when they learn new things, they respond in a sense of awe. No way, that's so cool. Tell me more. That's what it means to, to learn about God, to know God is to, to continually have that sense of awe and wonder. Additionally, though, a life worthy of the Lord is one that takes time to get to know him through a personal relationship. We're not able to get to know God and learn about him without spending meaningful time with him, which makes sense because that's how our earthly relationships work, right? If I don't spend time with with Jess or or with friends, then I'm not going to get to know them. If I'm not actively trying to to have meaningful time with them, it's going to be harder for me to, to know them. The more time I spend with someone, the more time or the more I begin to know them and the stronger our relationship gets. So I, so part of this is, is spending a, a devotional time with the Lord, a personal time with the Lord. And that looks different to each person. So I'm, I don't want to say you've got to do it in the morning because that's not always going to happen. I'm an early morning person. My wife is not. Learning to, na- to navigate how I can't just come in there and say, hey, let's get up, let's go do something, right? It's gonna be harder for her to spend time with the Lord in the morning. She spends it a little bit later on in the day. Where are you able to spend time with the Lord? Where are, are you able to have that relationship with Him? As well as what are your distractions? When Jess and I sit down and we eat dinner together, or we're having a conversation. I admit that I can sometimes get distracted, especially with my Apple Watch. She's saying something and it buzzes and I look down and I pay attention to that and not paying attention to her. And it shows her that I'm, I'm not really focused on her and not really attentive to her. And so what we do now is when we, when we have those moments where we're talking, I take this off and I give it to her and I say, you are more important than what's going on on my Apple Watch. And that's what God wants as well. Put aside the phone or the watch or whatever is causing the distraction and spend some meaningful time with him because that's what a worthy life of the Lord is. That's what pleases God. He wants to get to know this. That's so cool and amazing. Other religions, their gods are, are, are distant, right? Their, their, their concept of God is distant, but the true God is not distant. He wants to know us and have that relationship with us. As well as the, the, the more that we know about God, the deeper our relationship with him is. And the more that we have that connection, the more we start to live like him, which goes back into 
bearing fruit in every good work. Knowledge of God works in tandem with bearing fruit because as we get to know his character, we'll start to live that way. Now living that way, bearing fruit in every good work is, is sometimes hard for us to do. It's hard sacrificing that, that time. And so it's with God's power that we have, we are able to do that. And so a worthy life is strengthened by God. In verse 11, Paul says that uh, he prays that they are being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience. Now, God's power is certainly important in bearing fruit in good works, but that's not Paul's specific intention here. Paul's intention is that they are strengthened by God in those difficult times, in those struggles, in those hard times. And so we see that a worthy life is strengthened by God. This is again, not something that we can do. This shows God's sovereignty in us because without his help, we are not able to go through these trials with endurance and patience. We don't talk about enduring something when it's a good time, right? When a quote unquote good time is happening, when we're planning a vacation or when there's uh, something that we're looking forward to, we don't talk about, oh, I'm just gonna endure that. No, we're excited about it. I'm gonna enjoy that, right? I'm looking forward to that vacation. It's not, not something that I just have to endure. It's easy for me to do that. It's in those hard moments, in those, those tragic life events, in health problems, financial concerns, where we need to have endurance and patience. And that comes from God. Endurance can be defined as going through a difficult or unpleasant situation without giving up. Similarly, patience refers to relating, in others, relating to others in a calm, self-controlled and diligent manner. We don't talk about, or we talk about having patience with kids when they're being unruly. When someone is having a hard time understanding something and it's taking them a little bit more time. And we also talk about patience on the road, right? Because road rage is a thing and Christians should avoid it. And if I admit it, it's a struggle for me to be patient. I'm, I'm not naturally a patient person, but it's because of God that I can be an impatient. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control right? Patience is a part of that. God's work in us produces patience, produces endurance. And I'm sure that I'm not alone in, in the fact that I'm not a patient person, right? In those times where we're dealing with others, 
or in those times where things are going, when life is going hard and it's hard to endure, it may be hard to endure, but thanks be to God that he empowers us and is to not only do good works, but to endure and have patience through all that life throws at us. And speaking of thanks, this is actually the last part of Paul's prayer on how to live a life worthy of the Lord. Paul prays and says in verse, in the end of verse 11, he says, joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the saints' inheritance in the light. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. In him, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. A worthy life is thankful for what God has done. Now, there are many things to be thankful for. You know, we, we have a, a day every year to set aside to, to give thanks, but, but one of the challenges that we get to every year when we have the Thanksgiving is to be thankful every day because there's something that we can be thankful for every day. But Paul focuses here on three specific aspects and three, three specific things that Christians can and are to be thankful for. The first thing is that he says that, we, that God has enabled us to share in the saints' inheritance in the light. Now, if you were in growth group this morning, we talked a little bit about what the inheritance is. This is a little bit different than what the Israelites thought of back in the Old Testament. The, in the Old Testament, the inheritance for them was the promised land, was the land that they were going to be coming into. And eventually when they were exiled, it was, it was the returning to that land. But for us as Christians, our inheritance is not a piece of land. Our inheritance is the promise of God's presence in heaven. It's really awesome to be able to say that we are gonna get to be with God. And we get to experience some of that right now, God's spirit and his presence in us. The, the already not yet, which, which means that we are redeemed and we experience some of the, the blessings, but that we're not yet fully restored. We don't yet fully have that complete consummation, that complete restoration. And one day that is coming. And that's where Pastor Dennis, and that's what Pastor Dennis meant by our hope is secure in Christ, that we will one day have that restoration and will be with God in heaven. Now, the reason that Christians are able to inherit this is because that they have been rescued from the domain of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of the son he loves. So these are the, the two other aspects that we've been rescued and transferred. We were in a state of evil and darkness, but those who believe in Christ are no longer in that state. Rather, we find ourselves in God's kingdom. This reminds me of the letter of 1 John, where John talks about the children of the devil, those in bondage to sin and evil, and the children of God, those who have been rescued 
and transferred into his kingdom. This new state of being is because of Christ's life, death, and resurrection. It's because of God's redemptive plan that we talked about at the beginning. But not only is there nothing that humans can do to escape the bondage of sin and evil apart from Christ, there's also nothing that Christians can do to make God's love for them lessen. This is what, what Paul is kind of is hinting at when he says in the kingdom of the son, he loves. God, the father loves Jesus immensely and incredibly. And he loves us with that same agape love, that same unconditional love. Romans 8, 38 through 39 sums this up perfectly where Paul writing to the Romans says, neither death nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor rulers, nor height, nor depths, nor anything created can separate us from the love of God um, in Christ Jesus. Nothing can separate us from God's love. Nothing can take us away when we are believers from God's kingdom. To sum up this section, Paul transitions and, and goes into some blessings that come out of, of the new state that we have. It says in verse 14, he prays that in him, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Because we have been rescued, we have been redeemed. Our, our chains to sin and to evil and the, the bondage that we had is broken. And we now receive forgiveness as we are in his kingdom. And these two are connected, re redemption and forgiveness. For each, for, for Christians are forgiven of their sins because they have been released from its bondage. Christians are blessed with this wonderful state of no longer being under the dominion of sin. This redemption comes specifically through the work of Christ sacrificed upon the cross and what he did for us. Our flesh and sins led us into rebellion, but Christ's work is redeeming us and breaking us free from that and brings him into his kingdom. This new state of life and redemption of forgiveness that we have is a sure cause for thanksgiving. Paul's prayer for the Colossian believers is that they live a life worthy of the Lord. There are many aspects to this. And one of the things that I encourage you to do is to go back to the gospels because Jesus lived a perfect life and he's the best example that we have to know how to live a life worthy of the Lord. But these four aspects that we learned about today are four aspects that we can implement in our lives today. To bear fruit in every good work, to grow in the knowledge of God, to be strengthened by him and to be thankful for what he has done. For those of us in the room who are believers, where are you at in living a life worthy of the Lord? Specifically related to these aspects. 
I know for me, I need to be working on one or two of these. Maybe you're, you're not like that. Maybe you are, are living a great life worthy of the Lord. And if that's the case, then keep going. Rely on God's strength to keep continuing to endure through those hard times. But if you are like me, during the hymn of response, focus upon where you need to be working and where you need to start to live a life worthy of the Lord and focus on that. For anyone in here who are not believers and do not yet have the hope that we have in Christ, I encourage you to give your life to him. You will experience really wonderful and incredible things through him and because of what he's done. Now that doesn't mean that life's gonna be easy. Again, we talked about, we're gonna have to endure and be patient, but that means that we can get through it because of God's strength and his power. The the other thing is that if you're not a believer, we don't, you don't know how much time you have left. Earlier this week, I, I learned of someone who passed away unexpectedly. Thank the Lord that he was a believer and is now in sharing in that inheritance in the Lord. But, but our life could be over at any moment. And I pray that if you are not a believer, that you will, you will think about what God has done for you, what Christ is giving to you through his death and resurrection and giving you that redemption, and that you will turn to him. If you are in that state of evil and sin, turn away, let God break your bondage of sin and evil and work in you and help you live a life worthy of the Lord. You've been listening to a Sunday morning message from our services here at First Baptist Watauga. Our family's mission is to exalt the Savior, equip the saints, and evangelize the lost. If you want to know more about First Baptist Watauga or need to reach out to us for prayer, go to fbcwatauga.org and let us know. In all things, to God be the glory, honor, and praise.